Good morning, one and all. This is Tom Richardson with the Removing Confusion podcast. It is Wednesday, September the 14th, 2022. Uh, I only throw that in there because it's good to know what day I'm uh, yapping about. So we're going to have a pretty deep discussion. Staying with my fairly revised and renewed looking at the Bible, looking at the world, trying to remove the confusion. As always, we're proud to mention our sponsors, Step On Socks. Visit them over at steponsocks.com backslash removing confusion, just how it sounds. I've got a song I'm going to play. I'm still working on my uh, my opening, and once I get this one done, I'm, that'll be it. But let let me tell you, it is going to be a hard-hitting one. It will sum up a lot about what we believe and what we think here at this uh, podcast. So, without further ado, this song that I'm going to play kind of fits in with some of the things we will be looking at today in the third chapter of Philippians. It's called Through It All by the unimitable Andre Crouch. I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation. That my trials come to only make me strong. I've been a lot of places, and I've seen millions of faces. But there were times that I felt so all alone. But in my lonely hour, yet those precious lonely hours. Jesus let me know that I was his own. That's the reason I say that through it all, mm, through it all, oh, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Let me tell you that through it all, oh, through it all, I've learned to depend upon His word. So I thank God for the mountains, and I thank Him for the valleys, and I thank Him for the storms He's brought me through. Oh, if I'd never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in his word could do. That's the reason I say that through it all, mm, through it all, oh, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Let me tell you, through it all, mm, through it all, oh, I've learned to depend upon. That is an awesome song. Uh, And Andre had his moments and had his trials and tribulations through his life. So 
he knew what he was singing about and he knew what he was writing about. But he learned to depend upon his word. Not Andre Crouch's word, but the word of God. Something that I believe is so lacking in this country. Let me talk to if And when I say this country, for those of you that are joining us in other countries, you may find it there as well, the United States of America, what we also refer to in a broader sense, the Western Church, which encompasses most of Europe and everything else, including us, the Western Church. You hear that term thrown around, and you may wonder, well, I'm not in the West. I'm, I'm in Ohio. That's like Northeast. Well, listen, there's the Eastern ideal of the Bible, and I'm not talking like the Eastern Orthodox or the Eastern uh, the, 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 uh, Greeks or the, or the Russians. They have their Eastern and Western Orthodoxy. I'm talking about the Eastern mindset of the people who wrote the scriptures that we look at and hold and walk around and never open up until we get to church. You need to open them up, folks. We need to get busy. We need to get into the scriptures. We need to get ourselves Holy Ghost filled. Don't be afraid of that. It's not about weirdness and and strangeness. It's about learning what God really wants. If you sit back in the pew and listen to somebody tell you or you watch the TV and listen to these guys that say, send me a 1000 bucks and you'll get 10000 back. So, 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 S-O-W, into my ministry and you'll reap the harvest. There are people that I will had no I will I would have no problem sowing to. And if you want to know who I think is worthy, please on this podcast uh deal, you can find my personal address, email address, send me an email. I I'll, I'll check it a little bit closer than I normally do. And I'll try to give you an idea of who you can go to. I, I, I'm not afraid to tell people, go listen to this fella or that fella or that fella or that usually isn't a woman. But, you know, because, and then, you know, you have to know the scriptures. You know, you're going to get into this thing where the apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians and told them, you, I would like to feed meat of the scripture, meat of the scripture. It's a typology. It's an, it's a, a not analogy, but you are not ready. You're still babes. I must feed you with milk. Some people, I don't want to know anything else. Don't give me the meat. Don't give me the meat. Just give me the milk. Let me get them five verses. I take a drink of water. Me those five verses that I need from Romans called the Romans road. The road to salvation. Once you're saved, it's good to know those so you can lead other people. But they're going to ask you questions about other things. And you can't just sit there and say, well, uh, uh, I could ref- uh, I don't know. Paul came to the churches that he uh, worked with, Ephesus, Corinth, Thessalonica, on and on. And he said... Colossia, I give you the whole counsel of God. Old Testament was all they had at that time, as we call it now, had been the Tanakh, the Torah, whatever, at their at their point in time. The gospels weren't in people's hands relatively everywhere. Some of them weren't written for till like sixty AD along with the epistles that Paul's writing. He was firing these things off, knowing that time was short. Uh, how I got spurred onto this, we can blame good old Mike Lyons over at the World Turned Upside Down podcast who wrote me a little note on, on our chosen social media page uh, in a private message. And he asked me about a certain scripture, and I looked at it, and I was like, whoa, that's a pretty good one. And it was like 2 Timothy 4, 4, verse 5. 
we may look at that just so you know where Mike got me. Of course, you know, when, when it, when it's me and he knows it and everybody, you know, I, I get into my cross reference and, and folks, that's what I do. I use cross references. Uh, I make them easy. I'm older. I don't, I don't have everything memorized. I do have the word hidden in my heart as much as I can, but that's just to be able to spout certain things, you know, to say, well, we need to walk as he walked. Where's that at? First oh, John three, something, you know, whatever, but you know, it's there and it's good to know exactly where you're coming from. But in the searching about to, you know, I was just giving him some ideas. Mike's a smart guy. He'll come up with a, a very good message on it. I'm sure. Because it's a it's a power packed uh, piece of scripture about you know being aware, watch, be a watchman, you know, be aware. There's people around you that you can't trust. Paul ran into that in his entire ministry. That's why he, when he wrote a lot of these, he was in what they called prison or house arrest, waiting to have his head lifted away from him. Where we're going to look at today is the book of Philippians. A book or an epistle, a letter, written to the church at Philippi. As a matter of fact, a place where Paul spent a little bit of jail time there too. How many of you, including myself, have been to jail for your stand on the gospel? Well, we don't have that problem yet. And I don't like to talk about politics too much anymore. Now, if I if I get together with my buddy Mike and do a podcast here and there, we will discuss things of the day, and then we are going we will flip right into the the Bible and show you what's going on biblically, how it lines up, and it's not a prophecy uh, update like many do. It's just a, hey, this is what we see. But I've decided with me right now, Bible is where we're at. And I'll tell you something, the other day in prayer time and meditation time, whatever you want to call it, I was sitting there and I'm just asking the Lord, what, 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 what's the deal? You know, where are we at? And, you know, this isn't, again, this isn't mystical or weird, but the, the word lawlessness reverberated in my head. And ever since then, I've heard some of my favorite preachers speak about lawlessness. I've heard some of my favorite, I have very few, news guys using the term lawlessness. And then you look at the streets in our cities, and they're full of lawlessness. Because the law and order, the people who are to take care of us, they're being slowly done away with. Or they're just sick of it. They can't handle the stress and the and the pain of doing the job of a police officer, and they just walk away from their duties. You cannot blame them. For two years, they've been run into the ground, and now it's it's come full circle for the people who look for a cop. New, New Orleans, just just in a short New Orleans. You call for the police; it could take two hours for them to get to you. A formerly decent city. I never was a big fan, but it was, you know, they had to keep some law and order because there's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on there, Mardi Gras and everything else. Hurricanes, whatever. But now, you're done. Some places, if you get shot, if it's not a death shot, they aren't even going to do a report. Isn't that awesome? Anyway, let's get away from that stuff because I've got a lot to cover and, and you know, my usual who cares how long Tom goes. Well, most of y'all do. Philippians chapter 3. If you're there with me, please. You know, that. listen, when we think of the book of Philippians, we think of, you know, the, the eight things. I think it's in Philippians chapter 4. You know, many people like to uh, throw that quote around, you know, these things to set your mind on, you know, and. Uh, 
the peace of God, which path us all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good of a good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those kinds of things. And of course the, the big dog in Philippians, I can do all things who through Christ who strengtheneth me. And these are things that are very important in the Christian world and the Christian walk today. Because without them, we have no hope. Because we know our hope is in Christ. But I'm going to read you a few things. We're going to look at some things. We're going to, we're going to parse it out. And then I'm going to hit you with one that I'm going to tell you something that sucked the air out of me. And then I, I, I sent it to Mikey. And I, I, I said, dude, when I read this, it just literally, I went, Ugh. you know, like I couldn't believe it. And I've read the Bible through several times. I've read the book of Philippians through many times. I read it to my wife and she was like, whoa, you know, it's like, I said, that's the same thing I felt. And we haven't got there yet. We're going to read real quickly. Now, remember when these guys are writing these things, Philippians three, one, just, just for a, a brief over, finally, my brethren, comma, he's writing to people in the church, rejoice in the Lord to uh, to write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. He's not having a problem writing these things because he wants people to be aware. Here's where we get into the little bit of the meat, Philippians 3, 2. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of concision. Beware of dogs. He's not meaning, you know, my buddy Otis that's sitting here with me that I call my producer or the little one downstairs gizmo my buddy not talk about those dogs although you know dogs you'd have to beware sometimes because they can chew your leg off bite your hand you know give you rabies or whatever he's talking about the people he's talking about people all these are people beware of dogs people because in the bible dogs are usually not a good thing anyway isaiah talks about dumb dogs that can't bark and he and he equates that i think it was isaiah you'll correct me if i'm wrong he equates that with preachers pastors and all you know of course pastors oh you know get all puffed up about it and get mad proverbs 26 11 says as a dog returneth to his vomit so a fool returneth to his folly we we also know that peter wrote that as well he was reiterating the book of Proverbs, Isaiah 56, 10, his watchmen are blind. They are ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs. Yea, they are greedy dogs, which can never have enough. And they are, they are shepherds that cannot understand. They look to their own way everyone for his gain from his quarter. That is Isaiah 56, 10 and 11 about the dogs. Remember I said it was in Isaiah. I was right. Now, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I just tend to, I've, re, I've been reading Isaiah and Jeremiah a lot here lately. And, you know, he's not talking about the guys out there. See, when the Bible speaks of people, it speaks of people that you have to watch out for. We already know that the unregenerate, unregenerate, reprobate, lost, castaway types are already out there, the, the ones who don't care about anything but themselves. They're all over the place. They're out there in the world. Those are the ones we try to reach. We don't just turn our backs on them, but we try to reach them. And sometimes it says here, as we said, you got to beware because they might be dogs. Beware of evil workers. I did one the other day. I think I talked about evil, evil workers or something like that. And, you know, there's a bunch of those. When you look at the TV, and you, if, if you do, and sometimes it might be better off if you don't, shut it off for a week and see what happens. Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, these people are evil. Anybody, I don't care what party they are in, that supports same-sex marriage, which there is no such thing. 
God made Adam and Eve. I'm not even going to use the old Adam and Steve joke. It's used up. And I don't want to be making this a laughing matter. Same sex married, man and man, woman and woman. And now you got all these genders, 1,500 different genders, people dressing up like dogs. Actually, to use the dog thing again, there's a woman I saw in the news the other day. She says, I, I feel comfortable being a dog. Herf, you know, whatever. I don't know what the heck that's all about. They're transgenders, transhumans. You'll hear the word transhuman a lot in the, in the future uh, if you're listening because there's a whole transhumanist movement of taking man to the next level. I have books on books on books about this that I, I just don't have time to read because I, I, I've kind of slid back into trying to get myself back in touch fully with God and the Holy Spirit. But, you know, I can peruse them. You know, they're books by guys like uh, Ray Kurzweil and uh, on and on. I, I can't think of all their names now. There's a fe- fellow out there by the name of Patrick Wood, I think, that did uh, some Christian stuff about it, did some talks anyway. And he's into technocracy, you know, and that kind of thing, warning us that it's coming. It's here. Google, the the biggest beast on the planet, the biggest beast on the planet. You know, it's funny. Beware of dogs. You know, we can switch that in and say, well, beware of animals uh, of all kinds of beasts. When Daniel saw his um, vision, he saw beasts. They, they represented countries. Think about what countries do now. You know, the United Kingdom is the lion with wings. I guess it's a griffin. The United States is an eagle, a, a carry-on dead-eating bird. The Chinese have the dragon. The Russians have the bear. You know, it goes on and on. They all work themselves into some kind of a beast. And here we're being warned to look out and beware of dogs. Beware of dogs because hey, dogs are beasts too, folks. I'm sorry. They come from wolves otis doesn't care he knows i don't mean him beware of the concision now this is a big one to me when i read that i had no idea i'm thinking you know circumcision because paul talks about that in verse three but the concision is those who cut i looked it up they cut up they maim they destroy now, does that mean these psychopaths that do these things with, you know, I won't go into that, but you know what I mean, people who take and cut people up? No, I don't think so, but although it could, you know, it could because we're talking about evil workers, dogs, and concision, people who will tear your ministry down, people who will tear you down. I've had this happen to me several times, and I'm not bragging about it. I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't fun. I had a guy, and this is when I was, you know, I had, I had, I'll tell you the truth. What happened? You all know me. I, I, I went through a period where of on fire, kind of slid off a little bit, wasn't going to church like I should, backslid some, got back in church and got on fire again. I had a guy take me. He said, hey, meet me for, for coffee. And we were in a prayer meeting together. And we went to the coffee and we sat down, and we're talking, and we're, we're just, hey, you know, how's it going? We're talking about this program we're putting together for our group. And then he started on me. Now, you know, I've been back in the church for two or three years, but I was still getting my feet wet again. You know, I don't. it's not that I don't know my Bible, you know, or didn't know it or, or whatever, but I wasn't as immersed in it as I am now. This guy, well, by the time he got done with me, I didn't even know if I was saved anymore. That's concision. I've had other people sit there and tell me, you know, you're no preacher. You're no this. You're no that. You aren't evangelistic. You don't care about people. You just want to, you know, I'm like, okay, another one. Tried to to chop me up to the point where I would shove this microphone in front of me away and never preach again. 
Since then, God has proven to me and to him, but he won't listen, he won't see it, that that statement he made was not true. He was just trying to rip me to shreds. And people will do that to you. Once you get on fire, folks, that's why a lot of people won't. That's why a lot of people, first of all, they're told not to. They're told to, you don't want to be unruly. You don't have to be unruly. Listen, just because you're on fire for God, on fire for Jesus, you have the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit guiding you. That doesn't mean you're going to be unruly in the church service. That means you will be more ruly, if that's the word. You won't want to disrupt, because the Holy Spirit will not disrupt a church service with, you know, like people like to jump up and do the evocation of tongues or whatever. I have a prophecy, you know, all that kind of thing. In, in the in the in the middle of a sermon, that doesn't happen. It should not happen. <clears throat> Paul goes through for the next few verses. He talks about you know his uh, uh, his past. You know we know Paul was a Pharisee. He trained under the great Pharisaical teacher Gamaliel. At that point in time, there were like two schools. I can't remember the other guy's name, but there was Gamaliel, and he was like the top dog. Everybody that wanted to be anything in the Pharisee community wanted to go under uh, under uh, Gamaliel. Uh, he is mentioned in the book of Acts, I believe. Um, but, so, you know, Paul says, I'm circumcised the eighth day, stock of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. Touching the law, comma, a Pharisee. Now, today you get called a Pharisee. Boy, that's a bad name in the Christian world, and it should be. Jesus yelled at him in Matthew 23, Whoa unto you, Pharisee! Whoa unto you, scribe! You know, <laughs> you gotta, you got to figure when the Lord goes after somebody like that, that's a big deal. I, I was telling my wife this morning when they say, Whoa, that was a funeral term. It was about grief. I grieve for you, Pharisee. But anyway, that's for another day, reckon. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the, touching the righteousness, which is the law, comma, blameless. But what things were gained to me, this is another one of those well-known verses in 3-7, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. He gave all that up. He gave up the stature of being a Pharisee, which was a big deal at the time, and he became a Christian. He became an evangelist. He became an expositor of uh, the Bible. He, he says, like I say, he used the full or whole counsel of God. He took the Old Testament and showed people the Christ. He showed them Christ in the Old Testament into the New Testament writings that he wrote. Yea, doubtless, this is verse 8, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. He, he <laughs> I love that verse too. That one you don't hear you don't hear that in church too often. He says, the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Now, I heard a guy, and he may be right, he may be wrong. Sometimes you see Jesus Christ. He says, that is Jesus as he was on earth. Christ Jesus is him in heaven. Whatever. But, you know, it's just an interesting little tidbit on the side. But he says, Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He gave it all up. Just like the, the rich man in Matthew 18 who came and said, you know, what do I need to do? You know, and Jesus said, sell everything you have, come and follow me. And he walked away sad because he owned a lot of stuff. How many of us are ready to walk away from everything to follow Christ? He counted that all but dung, D-U-N-G. That's uh, 
excrement. Everything that he gave up, everything that he walked away from to have the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, he counted as dung. And that means everything. The synagogue, which, you know, he would have been so welcome in. That community of Jews that he would have been so welcome in. His family. Now, as far as we know, Paul was never married, but he had to have family of some sort, lots of friends. He walked away. Now, he didn't count them as dung, but he counted, you know, it's, it's the strongest term probably that he could come up with is to say all this stuff, all this, all this prestige, all that, I give it up. It's worthless. It's, it's better used as manure that I may win Christ, that I may win Christ. Paul had a heart that was so on fire for Jesus. Now, here's where I get in a lot of trouble, and I'm very cautious how you do it. And be found in him, verse 9, and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Philippians 3.11. Now, when you say to somebody, walk as he walked, which is what John wrote, when you say to someone, we are to imitate Christ, that's what Christian means, knowing that we'll fall short and sin and and do things, uh, you know, it's a caveat that you throw in there. You know, but I, when you hear, I'm a sinner saved by grace, but this means you're still a sinner. Well, yeah, you will sin. But John says that we are not to sin unto death, which means we're not to practice it. The things that we used to do, we're not supposed to attain to. We're not supposed to work our way towards sinning more because we have grace. Paul said in Romans, God forbid that I sin more because grace abounds. God forbid. Walk away from the sin. Walk away from the death. And you know, oh, you'll have the preachers, especially the Baptists. They're going to tell you, you're preaching sinless. No, I'm not. I know I'm, I'm probably sinning now thinking some of the thoughts I have in my head because I get angry. I get angry because I want to attain more to a righteous, holy, and pure life, and I fail because it's hard to bring every thought captive, as Paul told the Corinthians. We did a podcast on that the other day but it's well worth reminding ourselves. Verse 12 says, not as though I had already attained either, were already perfect, but I follow after, comma, if that I may apprehend that for which also, I'm reading this like I'm doing for a, for a reason, I am, I am apprehended of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. He's saying, I ain't perfect. I, I'm not speaking as though I've already attained some perfection, some great righteousness. But he says, I want to be apprehended by Christ. I want to be taken in by Jesus. And the closer I get to him, the closer I want to be as he was, or as I would should say, as he is. We know we can't be perfect, righteous, holy, whatever. And you'll hear people say, you know, righteousness. Yeah, that's like they tell you it's not even it's not even important. Just join the church, get baptized. That's it. Say that prayer at the front of the church one day and walk away doing whatever you want because you've just given your heart. You're sealed. 
But if you don't at least try, these are things Paul is writing. I'm going to read. We're going to we're hitting verse number thirteen, and this is again a reiteration of who or whom. I never know when to use the right word. Paul's writing to brethren, comma. I count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. Paul's saying, I I have to put away. I killed people. I jailed people. I, I, I beat people. I did things that I was not, you know, how many of us have actually done that? Well, let me tell you something. I know the pause was not long enough. Think about it. How many people have you beaten, murdered, killed, jailed? But then just like the examples I gave you a moment ago of a man like me that I'm trying, folks, I'm trying to do the best I can, you know, and, and you have somebody just tear you apart. Somebody you think is your brother. Somebody you think is your friend. And they just rip you to shreds. They concision you. <laughs> I like that word. And you know, I'm not. I'm not an exclusive. I got friends that have told me their stories. And we've all made it through. Sometimes it's a it's a ditch you have to dig yourself out of. You know, I guess a, a hole or a pit, whatever. You build that little ramp, and it takes a while to you know dig with your fingernails in your hands through the dirt to make a ramp to get out of the pit that they put you in because that's where they want you. They want you in that pit of despair. Read the, the pilgrim's progress. The slow of despond is how John Bunyan put it. You can find that book uh, on Amazon, which I'm not promoting, or you can you know find it online somewhere. There is the old version in the old archaic King James type English, or you can find one that's fairly new, updated. But the thing of it is, is there's so much truth there. These people push you into the slow of despond, and you have to find the steps. And usually, it takes somebody. And in 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 the book and that story, it took somebody who showed up and showed Pilgrim where the steps were out of the slow of despond. Out of that pit of despair, we all get in it. Oh, I'm a Christian. I don't get depressed. Oh, yeah, right. This is a me- Folks, this is a message I hope you share with people. Cause I, I feel the Holy Ghost just lead me down a path this this chapter, a chapter of of I've not spent a lot of time you know pining over or 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 studying over, just blew my mind when I read that one verse. I said I got to read the rest of this thing because there's a lot there. I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth to those things which are before. Jesus is before you or as he means, in front of you. The, the, the goodness of living a more decent, pure, holy, righteous life is before you. The junk that you left behind should be left behind and forgotten. Forgetting, forgetting those things which are behind. You can't do anything about it. You can make amends and all that stuff, but they're always going to be there. I press forward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, that's what he's doing. He says, I, I want so much to do the right things. I want to be the righteous. Now, Paul had his problems. He had, an, yeah, I think he had some temper, but he was a loving guy. He, once, he, once the Lord blew his mind and, and opened his heart, he cared so much that you know he put his life on the line for all these people. Let us therefore let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. 
And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal them, reveal even this unto you. So he's what he's saying again. He has to let us therefore, comma, as many as be perfect, comma, be thus minded, in that anything you do be otherwise minded. So whatever you're doing that's not focused on the perfect, which is Christ, or the Christ-like walk, if you're doing anything else, let God reveal them to you. Don't, don't, what does he do? He does it with the Holy Ghost, the conviction of the Holy Ghost. He he leads you. He tells you. You're, if you got to listen to that, what's the difference between my conscience and the Holy Ghost? Your conscience is human. That's your conscience. That's your brain. That's your mind. It can change. God does not. The Holy Ghost is God. You'll know if you're, if you're saying, well, the Holy Ghost told me to go ahead and sleep with so-and-so even though I'm married. No, he didn't. That was your conscience that said it's okay. But you're, if you're being led to do things you know aren't right, biblically, then it's not the Holy Ghost telling you what to do. It's your conscience. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Walk by the same rule. He doesn't mean the rule book. He's just saying, you've attained Christ. He's apprehended you. In other words, you know, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. He's done so much for you. It's time to let us mind those things. Think about them. Ponder them. Consider the cross. And then consider the empty tomb. A lot of preachers will get you to the cross where you hang your sins on. You nail them to the cross. But they don't get you to the empty tomb where you, where you are released from the, the, the law of death and sin. Okay? That's another day too. Brethren, 17, be followers together of me and mark them which which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. Brethren, be followers together of me. Paul's saying me as in Paul. And mark them which, which walk so as ye have us for an example or an example. He's telling him, hey, be followers of what I teach. The Bereans, as we already know, back in Acts chapter 17, were more noble than the Thessalonians because what did they do? They took the sayings of Paul and checked to see if they were true, bouncing them off Scripture. And that's what Paul would expect anybody to do. But he's, he's telling them, you know, just you, you have my example. You have the example of others who are followers of me, which means they're actually followers of Christ. And mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk, this he's got this in parentheses, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. I let that pause right there for a moment. We'll reread that. When I read that earlier this this morning, I say, this isn't the first time I've read this particular thing. Because, you know, I like to say I was trying to help my buddy out. He's preparing a message in... Second Timothy chapter four and verse five. And I, I just started bouncing all over the place for him, which I'm sure probably drove him crazy. Uh but see here's what Paul wrote to Timothy. But watch thou in all things. This is Second Timothy four, verse five. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. 
do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of the ministry, of my ministry, of my ministry. Paul's ministry, not Tom's ministry. And now he's telling the people in Philippi, you know, many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping. When he says weeping, it doesn't mean that fake stuff that that you see it from all kinds of preachers because they, they can turn it on and they can make, they can fake it. <laughs> I tell you, it's just, uh, I wept over blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right. Sure you did. And they do it so often. It's just fake. This kind of weeping was, and I'm looking at it right now. I, I told my wife earlier this morning, it's not just that kind of weeping because we have Bible study at home. A lot during the day. It's not just set up for a specific time. Uh, It's to mourn. A lament. Weeping as a sign of pain and grief for the things signified. So this weeping, Paul wasn't saying, oh, you know, I I just lay here and, and, you know, I fake a cry for you. Uh, Those people that he designates in this passage as the enemies of the cross of Christ. He weeps for them. He feels such a deep mourning for like, it's like looking at the the person you love the most dead and specifically of the day or the moment that they pass. No matter if you knew it was coming or not, when they pass, they're gone, you know it, and it just rips into you. This is what Paul says about those who are faking their walk with Christ, and they're an enemy of the cross of Christ. It rips into his soul because he, he feels for them. He knows they're, where they're headed. And here's what he says in verse number 19. That was verse 18. This is verse 19 whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. We all have things on earth and people on earth that we mind or care about. We have activities that we are engaged in that you know, whether they be good or bad, that's not up for me to decide. We have our clubs and we have our groups and we have you know, to church. Sometimes you're pulled into a church and you love the people that are there and it's hard to walk away, but you may have to someday. Once you start to read your scriptures and you look around and you see death in the church, and I, when I say death, I mean spiritual death. Where, you know, people just, I mean, it's like they're at a funeral on a Sunday morning. And I've had many friends tell me, I know what you mean. And I, you don't want the fake stuff either. You want the truly inspired Holy Ghost filled resonations coming from your congregation. Because the ones that fake it are these ones in in verse 18. If you have your Bible in front of your phone or whatever you're using. Many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even in the morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, morning, the, the vapors of death, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. When I, I'm telling you, when I read that, because I was, again, it's probably doing a cross-reference runaround. Actually, I was looking for the word ensample or, or example. And I Googled or typed it into the search box of Blue Letter Bible. And I read this verse. I think it was the only one that popped up at the time. I read that verse. And I, I'm not going to lie to you. I try never to do that. It sucked the air out of me. I mean, I literally, I sat there and I thought my wife's going to say, what's wrong with you? 
and she, I don't think she heard me, but I read it. And when I read, they are the enemies of, the, he's writing to brethren. He's writing to the brothers. He trusts these, the, the brethren, but he, he's telling them there's people in your area. There's people who say they're walking with Christ and they're not, they're enemies of Christ. I literally, I'm going to, I'm going to show you. I went, uh, uh. it's just, and that doesn't happen to you. I'm one of those grizzled old, you know, law enforcement guys that in my past life. And I, it just, it literally just like, wow. Wow. You know, how do you know? Well, you have to have discernment. You have to be available to the Holy Spirit to know who is going to be the guy you can't walk, you can't walk with anymore. Who's going to be the denomination that you have to step away from? Because they're not holding up the glory of Christ or the cross of Christ on Calvary. It's like they're enemies of it. Whose end is destruction? Whose God is their belly? Whose glory is in their shame? You know, the guys that want money. And then you'll have the ones that are like, I never ask for money. We don't beg for money. We don't need money. And then they, you know, turn around every, every time you turn around, they throw you something about tithing. Because they're hurting. All the churches are starting to hurt, folks. Everybody's having a hard time. The inflation's high. And I'm sure tithing's down. I'm sure that giving may be down because people are like, dude, you know, you promised me one thing. You tell me, you know, treasures. I put you bring it to the storehouse and press together, blah, blah, blah. Nothing happens. When the people get hungry, and I mean hungry, because they have no food, they come to the church and say, what, what do we do? Do we have a storehouse here? Do we have flour that we can make bread? Do we have a, a, a few of those combat cans of beans? Anything? No, we didn't do that. We don't believe in that. That's that's social justice program, blah, blah, blah. No, you can't even. you. If you're not, most of these guys, they don't feed the word of God to people on a Sunday morning. So, you know, if things get bad and people get turned out of their homes because they can't afford their, their heart, uh, house payment, they're going to turn to the people they trust and know. And, you know, it's, what are you going to do? Give them 50 bucks? Say, here, go buy something? You go to the dollar store, 50 bucks, you'll get a bag full of junk. It'll last you two days if you're lucky. And that's when you end up with their God is their belly. Paul says, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. How many how many preachers you know have said you that told you that? Our conversations in heaven. That we 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 bring you well they'll they'll, they'll tell you, Oh, we're preaching the word of God here. But they want to embellish the word of God, change the word of God, add some hymns to the word of God. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, comma, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Now, I didn't really mean to sit here and read and go into an exposition on that entire chapter. But I'm going to tell you what, sometimes that's the best way to do it. I didn't use a lot of tools to do it. I just let God lead me a, a bit through there. I did tap a few keys just to be safe because I don't want to give you anything that's not true. He'll change this vile body because we know this bi- this body's terrible it's broken it's full of sin it's full of degradation uh there's things impurities and and death within us that we can't do anything about i mean we can eat he can eat good and 
we can watch our weight and all these things. But the mind is also part of our body or our spirit, which (laughs) if we don't watch it, it starts to split and go in different directions and it can cause problems. Calling every thought into captivity unto the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a verse to print out and stick on your refrigerator. Get a hold of what fake repentance is or fake conversion is. Make sure that you don't fall into that. You know, the, Paul wrote to the Corinthians in First, first Corinthians chapter eleven, uh, I believe. I'm not looking it up right now, where he talks about uh, the Last Supper or the or the uh, you know the the taking of the Last Supper when we when we do our communion, and he says to examine yourself. Examine yourself. Make sure that you're in Christ and not just way out there somewhere because some preacher told you you can do it that way. True Christians want to be as close as they can to their Christ, Jesus Christ, their God, capital G. There's only one that has the capital G. There are many gods, but they're all small G gods run by goat demons. Shadim is the Hebrew term you'll find in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. And that meant goat demons or demon goats. One of the, <laughs> Think about that. But we have one holy Father God in heaven that we pray to. And Jesus, the blessed Son, sits on the throne to the right hand of the Father and the Holy Spirit whom lives within us. Make sure that we're in Christ. Make sure that Christ is in you. We're told so many things, and then we, we, we go through this life thinking, oh, I went to church on Sunday and Sunday night and Wednesday night, and I sing in the choir, and I pray, and I do this, and I do that, but then I live like hell. You can't do that. We can't do it. We must try to attain towards some sort of righteousness. And it's only good if it's righteousness in Christ. He is our righteousness. He is our holiness. He is the purity that we can reach for. We will always fall down once in a while. But the thing of it is, is we have an example And he gave us himself, Jesus. And he gave us people like Paul and Peter, and even they had their issues. There's a a point where where (laughs) Paul basically called Peter out and said, you know, you you want these people to live as Christians, but, dude, you're teaching the Gentiles how to be Jews. That needs to stop. I'm just paraphrasing. Where's that at? It's in the Bible. Folks, I say this all the time. Read your Bible. If you don't understand it, ask God to help you understand it. That's what this whole thing's about. Reaching out to him. Don't don't wait for some guy to come along and tell you what it means. And if he does, check him. The day is coming soon. We'll either pass from this life to the next where we go to the grave or he will come back and we will be changed in that instant and then the thousand-year reign of Christ will start. But we got a ways to go before that happens. Be mindful. Be ready. Be happy. Be joyful. This isn't supposed to be a a downer message. This is just a message to give us a boost and think about the thing. Because Paul did, you know, at the end, he says, Jesus is coming. 
and he's going to change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. It doesn't mean you're going to be 33 years old. I have no proof either way, but that's what literalists will tell you. I don't care if I'm 65 or 8 or 90, whatever, in a glorified body, it won't make any difference how old I am. When Elijah and Moses appeared to Jesus on the mount, everybody knew who they were. What'd they look like? If they were 33, who knows? I don't know. I, you know. Who knows how they knew, but they did. Their minds and understanding were open. Anyway, until the next time we come together, I, I better call it a day. I love the scriptures. I am still working on that in- intro, which will stay from now until I believe we turn to dust here. And I'll have to work on a little outro. That music's getting passe. Thanks for being with me today. It's September 14th, 2022. Philippians 3. Read the entire chapter. Enjoy it. Till the next time, Tom Richardson with Removing Confusion. Have a great day and a great rest of your week. Get to a good church on Sunday and learn more.